imagine maybe people show up. So, um, most of is, uh, I'm going to turn this over to David to do his stuff, which is a lot of stuff, and I won't take a lot of time. But something came up last time, uh, and I was talking about to David yesterday, and I actually think it's kind of critically important. It connects up to some other discussions we were having. Um, and I just want to make the point really quickly. I think it raises very deep, extremely deep, even technical questions to which I don't know the answer. But I wanted to, to lay this out. So, um, David's method, right, in the metaculus, is of, of producing a probability map for the universe, says, you have the past hypothesis, which is some macro state. You um, impose it as a, as a condition at some time. You take the natural flat measure over phase space at that time for the micro state. You then allow that thing to generate a probability distribution over all the possible microscopic trajectories. And you use that probability distribution to inform you in some way or other about the way the world probably is. Uh, and you further conditionalize on that when you find out anything new about the world that doesn't follow from just this, and very little will follow from just this about any particular details. But now, as you find out things about the world, you have this big probability, this sort of, you know, if you're a Bayesian, it's your initial, right, credence. And now you can conditionalize on that for any new information you get and update it and presumably get stuff out of it in theory. Now, there's this familiar picture which goes back, if you go back and look, I think it's, it's from this Boltzmann paper when he's talking about the origin of the low entropy, which is one of our big issues, and he gives this, he gives these two pictures, right? One is that it's just a postulate that the world began in a low entropy state. So there's just no time Right? This is empty, right? No universe. Anyway, no physical universe, maybe no time at all, whatever you want to think. You can think of this as being the moment when God created the universe, the physical universe. Uh, and it was created in this well entropy state, and then the history of the universe is it climbing out of this well. And we're, it, we're, we're still in that time. Um, or you could imagine that time is infinite, and not only is time infinite, but you can think of the universe as a kind of closed system in a box that's also always been around. And if you take that view, then by obvious arguments that we've talked about, because if this whole uh, uh, probability way of approaching things predicts with very high probability, or predicts, as I would say, that typically the, universe, the, the entropy is going to increase in this direction of time, uh, that it will also predict entropy increase in the other direction of time, and you get this symmetric mirror image kind of thing for the entropy profile of the universe. Okay? And from if, we, if we take the forward direction of time, if we move over here and we say, for us, this is the forward direction of time, one thing to say is that in this picture, uh, things were operating in a very strange anti-thermodynamic way because entropy was, it was decreasing, where by decreasing it means I'm, in, I'm importing the forward direction of time continuously from this side to this side, right? 
And if you think of things that way, then the way you describe this is as a fluctuation. In fact, the way you describe it is, is as an extremely unlikely fluctuation. More unlikely the deeper it went. Right? And we all fall into that way of talking about things. Right? In fact, that's a natural way to talk about that particular suggestion. Notice that's a suggestion where there's one universal common direction of time and this is a non-fluctuating kind of expected trajectory. This is a very unexpected fluctuational, downward fluctuation, but you argue that if the universe is infinite in time, that you would expect eventually that a fluctuation of any depth will occur. Right? And then you use anthropic reasoning to say, we're, you know, we find ourselves in one of these. In fact, you know, overwhelmingly most of the time on this picture, the universe is at equilibrium, but you, but you further expect these fluctuations and you say, by anthropic reasoning, the reason we happen to find ourselves in this really unusual, atypical pocket of low entropy is because you need an entropy gradient in order to have living things. And so, you know, it's not accidental that we just luckily find ourselves here rather than somewhere in equilibrium, right? Because we can't live in equilibrium. Wait, t Tim, I don't get it. Let's see, it sounded like you were saying something that I don't think you believe, which is that, that, that given that we find ourselves, you know, our brains in this state or something like that, it, it follows just from that that it's likely that the picture is this rather than a fluctuation that just came down to our brain state. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, what we were arguing about is that the fluctuational right. hypothesis was one we were saying. No, 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 but no. when you appeal to the anthropic, it, it sounded like... No, that was like, why do we find ourselves in a valley rather than... If, if overwhelmingly most of time right. was up on the plane. Oh, okay. That's what I mean. Okay. 99.99999% sure. of the time in the universe is sure. equal. But the fact that we find ourselves here doesn't doesn't imply how much lower the valley is. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't suggest that. Okay. So like, if you got that impression, okay. yeah, that was just good. why we find ourselves in a dip. Good, good, right? good. <laughs> good. Not the... Yeah, and, and right. we've been through that. Okay. Um, now, what that picture naturally suggests, and what it often suggests to me, and I think suggests to every, almost everybody, because it's been a struggle for me to get rid of it, but the struggle has been going on, and now maybe it's complete. This is the entropy profile. All right, so this picture, this picture right out of Boltzmann, just measuring the entropy of the universe over time. But the other, you know, the other possibility is, of course, what you say is, no, no, on this side, and this is actually also what happens, is you say, no, on this side, the right thing to say is that time's going that way because the direction of time just is the direction of the entropy gradient. Um, at equilibrium, time doesn't go in any particular direction. Um, and then you could find creatures who live on this side of the valley for whom the future is that way, whereas for us, the future is, is this way. Right? So, all of this, I take it, is not controversial. Everybody's clear about that. What that naturally suggests, if you're not careful the way I'm not careful, is that if instead of mapping the entropy profile against time, if I map what you might call the macroscopic profile, that is, the macroscopic description of the universe over time, okay? And so here we are now, here's our visible, we're here, here's our visible universe. Uh, 
there's a macroscopic description. We, we have the, the, the past hypothesis is itself a macroscopic description of, of the universe at a certain time. That if we apply the same thing and we assume that there was time or the physical either there was there was both time itself and a physical universe before the past hypothesis. That for the same reasons, this profile is going to look kind of like that. Right? It's going to have this mirror symmetry. That the macroscopic character of the universe on this picture where I, can, uh, uh, I, where I conditionalize on the past hypothesis and put my probability distribution flat on the past hypothesis, that the macroscopic character of the universe is going to be kind of symmetric. Right? That this universe macroscopically will look more or less, not in perfect detail, of course, because lots of the details will depend upon the particular microstate, but maybe the formations of galaxies and, you know, the, the existence of planets in general and things like that. More than just the entropy profile. Right. More than just the entropy profile, but the right. world will look kind of similar in many generic respects. In fact, maybe the generic respects we think physics can explain. I mean, this comes back to, are there mere accidents about our universe where you say there's really, at a certain level, no, no explanation of them, right? You can only explain them relative to other things that are just as accidental, and you never get to a, a kind of generic explanation, okay? Now, part of the reason for saying that when we're going to get to Sean's book, Sean really has exactly this picture of there being a very special central state and a kind of symmetry, this mirror symmetry around it, okay? Now, the thing I realized is that this picture is entirely wrong. Okay? From everything we now know, this picture, this picture is completely false. Right? It can't be like that. Even if we imagine that the past hypothesis is not the initial time, even if we imagine there was time before the past hypothesis, even if we treat the past hypothesis as special as being the time at which we impose the statistical, the basic statistical measure, probability measure, okay? Why not? Well, it comes back to things we talked about before. What we expect, if we look in this direction of time from here, in a typical evolution, not from, so th we imagine this is a kind of typical looking evolution from the past hypothesis. In this direction, what we should see is a typical looking evolution from the time reverse, from the past hypothesis with the time inversion operator put on it. Okay? From the time reverse of the past hypothesis. Now, if it turned out that the time reverse of the past hypothesis was the past hypothesis, that is, and what that means, if we think of this as giving the macroscopic positions and momenta of things, what that means is that their you know, the positions are going to be unchanged under time inversion, but their momenta are going to be flipped around. What that would mean is the suggestion that at the moment of the past hypothesis, the universe was macroscopically at rest. Okay? The macroscopic momenta were all zero. So their time inverses are all zero. And this comes back to that we had that argument before about if, if, if the universe just fluctuated into, uh, hit the bottom of a fluctuation five minutes ago, what were things like ten minutes ago? And we had that long argument where I was saying, it's not that you had a time reversed. Ten minutes ago, you had a time reverse seminar going on here. 
It's that 10 minutes ago you had a bunch of dead bodies, time-reversed dead bodies, lying on the floor of the seminar room, okay, um, undergoing a very strange process. <laughs> now, and that was, again, the point there was that the reason for that is that five minutes ago, the macro description of us in this room, where the macro description has to be at enough level of detail for it to follow from it that we're human beings, right? In other words, the macro description, the relevant macro description of us in this room at that time can't be just the average temperature pressure, you know, because <laughs> the typical situation for that is going to be that it's just goo, right? It's some kind of goo in equilibrium or so, or anyway, maybe not in equilibrium, but anyway, goo, right? So imagine the level of detail you have to get to describe a human body so that anything satisfying that, that description will be a human body. Uh, and describe your human, your, your body right now at that level of description. Well, as I said, the, your, the, the, the momenta of even the blood, just to take a simple case, the momenta of blood in your veins is not going to be zero. Right? It's going to be flowing in a certain direction. And if I time reverse that state at the macro level, I now get your blood flowing contrary to its normal thing, and there'll be at least a shock. And you know, we can we can then go to the biologists and ask, would the shock be enough to kill you and things like that? We could get it. But the point was this mirror image picture is only appropriate if this is for the macroscopic profile is only appropriate when the time reverse of this state is the state. Now, the universe we find ourselves in is expanding. Okay? And if you ask why believe that there's a singularity, why think there's a big bang in the sense of a singularity or something that general relativity, if unaltered, will give us a singularity, right? You might think that indicates we need to alter general relativity in some way or bring in quantum mechanics or whatever, but just worry about at the level of standard classical general relativity, we're going to end up with a singularity. What's the argument? The argument is, well, right now, all these, all these uh, 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 galaxies and everything are, are expanding, the universe is expanding, everything's moving away from each other, you measure the Hubble constant, you see how fast, then the normal story is. Run that story in reverse, we now have a contracting universe. We have a universe where all these Galaxies are headed toward each other. And it's going to contract down, down, get more and more dense, blah, blah, blah. And then you have these singularity theorems. Right? So this is what Penrose and Hawking were famous for. To show that in such a condition, inevitably, you're going to end up in a singularity. Okay? That's the sort of state that we have for the actual past hypothesis. And that means that one thing we know is not predicted is this. What's going to happen at this level macroscopically is that the universe will continue to contract. Right? Let's, let's take as part of the macroscopic profile the radius of the universe, for example. This is assuming a finite. I mean, I'm just doing this. I'm sorry. I'm just doing this for illustrative purposes. We don't have to get into the details. But imagine you have the radius, imagine if the universe is closed and the radius, and the fact that it's expanding means that the radius has always been getting bigger, now if time reverses, the radius is getting smaller and smaller. And now what this says is, fine, take the past hypothesis, time reverse it, take the regular standard distribution, still the radius is going to continue to shrink and it's going to go down to the singularity. 
right? It ain't going to work. It's not going to do. It's not going to suddenly start expanding. It isn't. It can't. Right? It's a theorem. Right? That's why the singularity theorems are called theorems. It's going to continue to contract. Okay? So one thing you will not get is a macroscopic profile of the universe that has this kind of mirror symmetry to it. Because the path hypothesis will not be a state. Right? What the reason is, because the time refers to the path hypothesis is not the past hypothesis, because the past hypothesis itself already has an ex always always has an expanding universe. Okay? Now, David and I had a little byplay about could you get away with a past hypothesis where the universe wasn't initially expanding, it was just dense and hot. And sort of macroscopically, macroscopically its momentum was zero, or macroscopically the radius of the universe was not changing. And the answer to that is no, for exactly this reason. If you started out with a completely symmetric past hypothesis, then the singularity theorems would give you either singularities in both directions or singularity in neither direction. And that's not our situation. Okay. So we can't think of that. You, know, you have to think that it was important that the universe was always expanding. Now, that leaves one really interesting question. Okay? Um, and I'm just going to lay this on the table, and I don't know enough to answer it. And I don't know if we're going to have time and find somebody <laughs> who can figure this out or not. Two possibilities. One possibility is that this picture and this picture are both correct. That is, if I impose the past hypothesis and the flat probability distribution at this time, and I ask what the universe will probably look like, well, it will first of all probably look like this. That is, the, 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 the universe will get smaller and smaller and smaller until you hit the singularity in the past direction from the past hypothesis. But also, this is correct. That is, in this region, from the past hypothesis to the singularity, still the entropy is going to be going up, or, or up in that direction, so down, down in our common direction. Right? So, as it were, the picture is, at the singularity, the, the entropy was high, higher than at the past hypothesis. It dips down to the past hypothesis and then starts coming inexorably up again. Okay? So that would, that would be to admit this is correct about entropy, this is correct about the macro state. That, of course, may surprise you, because you may think, well, one reason that the entropy is so low in the past hypothesis is just because the universe is so small that the phase space available to it the phase space available to the microstate is very constricted by the macrostate because, for example, one of the dimensions in which we measure the phase space is the purely spatial dimension, right? One of, the, one of the measures in the phase space is how spread things out are in space, and if there ain't much space, you can't be very spread out in it, okay? And now you might think, well, okay, but that's compensated by things becoming more and more spread out in, in momentum or something like that. Right? So you might think that's the right picture. Or you might think, no, that's the wrong picture. You might think the right picture is that if previous to this time the, the universe gets yet smaller, yet smaller, yet smaller, then the entropy actually also has to keep going down. Now at that point, and now I'm almost done. 
At that point, alarm bells ought to be going off in your head. Right? And the alarm bells ought to be saying, that can't happen. Because we put a flat probability distribution <coughs> over the phase space here. Okay? At the moment I impose the past hypothesis. And Rubel's theorem tells me that volume has to be conserved. And what you're now telling me is that no, all of these trajectories end up, you know, if I go backward in time, they almost all end up in a macro state with an even smaller, takes up a smaller region of phase space. But, but Tim, that's certainly not, I mean, I'm going to have a yeah. couple of things to say about this. But as a logical matter, that doesn't seem to follow. Even if all of the target macro states have lower entropy, there's some could have a larger volume still than... Uh, oh, 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 if this break, this is, yeah. this is like your stuff with the... With the Maxwell with the Maxwell That's right. That's right. So yeah, yeah, there's, that. yeah, there's another possibility which right. is that instead of there being a single right. macro state right. that this that inevitably leads to that right. actually splits off right. Right. and probabilistically goes to a bunch of right. different ones. You're right. Right. That's a logical possibility right. too. I hadn't thought about that. Right. Right. I don't know if that went by too quick. Um, but I can't stop. If read David's thing on the Maxwell demon, he's just saying you could do the same deal with the Maxwell demon. You would just say that this macro evolution is no longer going to be deter macro deterministic. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a possibility. I hadn't thought about that. That could be. Okay. But another possibility, and one that, you know, I mean, this is just a technical question. It's very simple. There's another possibility, which is that the conditions for Rouville's theorem just don't hold. Right? That we're being misled when we try and apply Rubel's theorem in this circumstance. Okay? And we have been sort of carrying it along as one of our tools in our toolkit for understanding things. Why well, think there might be a problem with Rubel's theorem? Well, and this is at a very vague level. Okay, I, am, I just thought of this yesterday and I was doing a little <laughs> research and I, you know, I can't get to the bottom of it. But, Rubel's theorem, the proof of it, it's very important that you're dealing with this Hamiltonian dynamics and you've got a Hamiltonian that's generating the time evolution of the system. And typically, when you use these things, there's an assumption that there are these symmetries in the time evolution. Right? In fact, take the conservation of energy. The conservation of energy is now thought to follow by Nerdus' theorem from symmetries, time symmetries in the Hamiltonian, right? That is, in order to expect there to be conservation of energy, why should there be conservation of energy? One picture is, well, because energy is this kind of physical silly putty that everything's made out of that can be transformed from one state into another but can't be created or destroyed, right? This sort of very nice pre-Socratic picture. It's like water for failures, you know? You can't make it, you can't get rid of it, you can just change it from one form to another. So of course it's conserved. But if you think, no, the conservation of energy follows from certain symmetries of space-time by Nernus' theorem, then you say, okay, if space-time happens not to have those symmetries, then there's no longer any reason to expect this to be conserved. Now, a, a, a simple example of this, in the case of conservation of energy, is given by the cosmic background radiation, as far as I can tell. And again, if somebody can correct me on this, it's fine. Right? I'm not claiming I did no. But we all know the cosmic background radiation, when we look out in the sky, there's this cosmic background radiation, very cold. 
right? 2.7 degrees Kelvin. And the story is, when it was created a long time ago, 13.7 billion years ago, it was rather hot. And it's been cooling off ever since. And the reason it's been cooling off is that the universe is expanding, okay? And as the universe expands, if you have this very naive picture of, say, an electromagnetic wave, okay, so like a light wave or an X-ray or whatever, and you imagine drawing it on a piece of rubber and then stretching the rubber, okay, the, the wavelength will get longer and the frequency will get lower and the energy which goes as the frequency will go down. Yes? So this picture says, just take some light, stick it in an expanding universe, and that light, its energy will go down. Now you ask yourself, where did it go? Where did the energy go? Right? There's less now. There's less energy contained in this. Where did it go? And the correct answer, as far as I can tell, is it didn't go anywhere. That is, it's not that it went somewhere else, it's just that the total energy content went down. How can the total energy content of the universe go down? Because there's no longer this symmetry. There's not a killing field. I mean, it, the technical term, there's not a killing field. There's not a kind of time. If you, if you take the geometry of the universe at one time and move forward in time, you don't get the same geometry. There's not a, there's not, there's not a, a vector field that's generating uh, an isometry of space-time through time, which is essentially exactly the symmetry you need to get the conservation of energy. So from this point of view, you say, no, the energy didn't go anywhere. You're not going to find it anywhere. It's just in this situation, you have no reason to expect energy to be conserved. I think it may be, and you know, emphasize may, it may be the same situation with respect to nervous, with respect to Lugel's uh, theorem. That the conditions for the proof of the theorem, you're tacitly assuming certain facts about symmetries of, of time that just would fail to hold in this cosmological context. In which case it might be possible, it might be possible that, you know, that the entropy continues to go down. It might be possible that there's no longer a good way to define entropy at all anymore. And this seems to be an issue that, I mean, both David and I realize we don't, didn't, can't recover clearly enough, but John Irvin wrote a paper about this, and David Wallace wrote a paper in response to Irvin's paper a few years back, exactly on more or less this question, and we think maybe it would be useful for us in a couple of weeks to go and read those papers. <laughs> so, so let me say, I mean, I should, we should probably move on in yeah. a minute, but let me, um, a, a couple of first reactions to this. Um, yeah, we don't know yet, you know, how to deal general relativistically with the early stages of the universe, um, um, especially given that the world is quantum mechanical, in fact, and so on and so forth. All kinds of things can happen. Um, um, you know, who the hell knows what's going to happen? Okay. Yeah. Huh. Um, um, you know, so everything has to be prefaced with the remark, especially in cases like this, who the hell knows <laughs> what's going to happen? But having said that, look, first of all, it feels like you're using the singularity theorem here in kind of a funny way. Um, my understanding is that almost everybody takes the singularity theorem to be an indication of 
a place in which classical general relativity simply breaks down. Okay, right. um, that is an indication that that classical general relativity. Of course, we have plenty of other reasons for being confident of something like this. Anyway, but this is another in a long list of indications, and it's interesting because it's internal rather than referring to quantum mechanics. That general relativity, the classical general relativity, couldn't be the way the world. Is okay. You seem to be using the singularity theorem here as some kind of scientific prediction, okay, of what we know about the world so far that ought to be taken seriously somehow. And that seems like a funny way to use. No, it. so that, that that's just a misapprehension. Okay. The only reason I was uh, was appealing to the singularity theorem <coughs> to give you an argument why, of necessity, this doesn't hold. But that, we but, don't think but this that is might true. not. But but whether this has, whether there's really a singularity or whatever. Right. The but point look, is that this doesn't. Okay. But but there are all kinds of ways. So right, it's absolutely right that if the past hypothesis is not uh, 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 is not time reversal invariant, is not what we're calling macroscopically time reversal invariant, then there's no reason to expect the earlier part to be a mirror image right. of the later part. And indeed, I think nothing else in what either of us has been talking about here depends on it. Depends no, on I don't know whether mirror image I just always thought of it that way. Right. Depends on this mirror image claim right. being, being true. Um, um, but, if, but, if, but if it weren't for the singularity theorem, the worries about that that you're raising here might look much less dramatic <coughs> than they do. That is, get rid of the singularity, throw away the singularity theorem, but grant the past hypothesis, which is manifestly non-time reversal symmetric, like the case you and I were discussing last night, mm -hmm. okay? You've got a balloon, okay? And the pressure in the balloon inside, you, you look at the balloon at a moment where the pressure in the balloon is, is much greater than its tension contains at that moment. So the balloon is in the process of expanding, okay? The, the radius of the, 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 the derivative with respect to time of the radius of the balloon is non-zero in the positive direction. That's part of its initial macro state, okay? Take that, reverse it, okay? I think both of us have fairly clear intuitions about what's going to happen. For a very small fraction of a second, the balloon is going to contract, okay, and then it's going to go, and then it's going to start to go out again, okay. Um, 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 indeed, its macro profile toward the past is going to look very much like the mirror image of its macro profile toward the future. What's standing in the way in what you're presenting of thinking that something like that might very well be true of the universe even if the past hypothesis isn't, isn't time reversal symmetric is the, is the truth of the singularity theorem. But the truth of the singularity theorem seems like, that, that is the truth, the, the idea that the singularity theorem is expressing some truth about the world Seems like a funny thing to start with. Okay, so yeah, you're right. We have to get off. But I, again, I actually I just don't agree with almost anything you just said. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not using the singularity theory. Look, the, the balloon. So we, we thought of this case, right, where the balloon is expanding. So because it's expanding, its macro state is not time reversal invariant. So you imagine, what if I really, what if I really reverse it? Okay, so now I get a balloon. Instead of doing this, at least at that moment, it's, it's doing this. It's going to shudder first, right? right? Yeah. So there'll be a kind, yeah, there'll be a kind of shudder. That's right. If it's 
If it, now, a balloon, of course, can expand almost quasi-statically, in which case the shutter will be very mild, and there'll mm -hmm. be a very mild shock wave right. Right, that'll dissipate, right. and it'll go back to normal. Right. It, it could be expanding very quickly, in which case the shock wave might be quite substantial. But right. what I was saying about our bodies, mm -hmm. our bodies would also suffer this kind of shock wave, mm -hmm. and I think it's going to be enough to kill us, but mm -hmm. we can talk to the medical guys about that. Mm -hmm. um, so part of this has to do, whether the balloon analogy, the balloon analogy suggests, okay, there'll be, you know, that the macro profile will do this. It, it won't be exactly mirror-symmetric, it'll sort of dip down a little, but then, you know, right. it'll be effectively mirror-symmetric. Right. The right. balloon's like that. Right. If the balloon is going really fast and the shockwave bursts the balloon, then it's going to be entirely different, right? Right. right. Um, so we have to think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. This is not a mild. I, I agree with the engine is not mild. No, no, no. no. So, but, but, well, so, the question is, what's tipping the thing one way or the other decisively? It feels like it's the singularity theorem. Well, what, what the singularity theorem just tells you is things are macroscopically quite different in the two directions of time. That's all I'm appealing to. They're, they're different enough that. I, 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 this is fair enough. This is okay. But look. You wanted to do more than that. You know, you're worried about, that is, you wanted to generate worries about Louisville's thing. I mean, let, let's say something more generally about that. I don't know how quantum general relativity is going to turn out. Um, there could be all kinds of mishigas going on there. Who the hell knows what's going to happen, okay? But um, I, I guess once we have such a theory, and if such a theory doesn't accommodate clear notions of entropy or a Louisville theorem right. or something like that, the first thing I'm going to ask about is, okay, forget about these big projects with the universe. In the case of an expanding gas, yeah. okay, or something like that, on the micro level, in the context of this new theory, mm -hmm. how is that going to look? Okay. There are two possibilities for how the for how the new fixed up micro account of the of the cooling of a cup of coffee or something like that might look in the context of this worked out general relativity. Okay. It might be um, um, it might be that although there's not something like entropy, there's something which clearly counts as a generalization of it and which reduces to it already at the level of molecules or something like that. That's frankly what I would expect to happen. Okay. Um, it might be that it doesn't. It might be that this new theory changes things so radically that even at the level of molecules in the cup of coffee, the discussions we've been having about this are totally off base, and we just have to go and we have to throw out statistical mechanics altogether and go completely back to the drawing board. That may happen. Needless to say, if that happens, all bets are off. Okay, but it, it, it's not. You know, if I had to place a bet, it's not what I would expect to happen. Well, I, look, there's a third possibility, which I don't think is exactly either of the other two, which is very much like conservation of energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, so just to remind, look, we all we, we went through a long discussion of defining the entropy of a system, and we understood in the case of a, a system at equilibrium, there's a lot to say about its entropy. There are some physicists who get off the boat there right. and say, as soon as you go out of equilibrium, right. there's no good definition of entropy. Right. And we went through this Boltzmann thing right. and they're to, right. to, to say, no, yeah. there's a perfectly good way to define the entropy of a system that's not in equilibrium. Relax a little. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, right. 
Now we have yet a different question. I, I, I would say exactly the same things about conservation of energy. Conservation of energy is a really good, powerful principle. We learn to think with it. We learn to argue with it. It's great. It gives you lots of shortcuts. If I'm right about what the conservation of energy depends upon, and you get into a regime, so this won't affect your cup of coffee at all. Take mm-hmm. the conservation of energy. Right. Talk about it in your cup of I coffee. Agree. You're fine. Right. But when we get back here, you may be in trouble. Right. Or when we start looking at our cosmological scale, you may get in trouble. That could be. That's, that's right. That's, that's, that's the third thing. That's, that's the third. Thing. Could be. Could right. be. In which case, appealing to the concepts we could be. we develop here to, to deal to try and understand what's going on at the cosmological scale, it just may be in. Although it's it's well, okay. I don't yeah. want to say more. Could it be? One's going to want, you know, it's clear where the place is to, to start is going to be, okay? If we get a picture of general relativity on which entropy doesn't make sense, the first questions we're going to want to ask is, give me an account of why this notion has been useful in talking about cups of coffee. <coughs> give me an account from the act that starts from the genuine microstructure of the world um, about why this is useful. We'll, we'll see where that takes right. us, and, and we'll see what analogies there are, and what anal- and we'll right. see what it changes and what it doesn't. I don't know what more right. to say about it. There's that, and I, I right. don't know. Final comment, which is, even if that happens, it may right. be that all this stuff about typicality or general statistical explanation still isn't affected. There right. may be that's very right. particular things that involve that's right. definition right. of entropy and so on that, 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 that you have this I mean, larger statistical we, we thing that, that, that right. still survive. That, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, we already have little experience of that in thinking about entropy of infinite systems. Or, or, right. They don't have a well-defined entropy, but you break it up. Right. Or like you were saying, entropy of systems out of equilibrium. Right. We've been there before. <laughs> maybe this will be more radical. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, um, okay. Um, uh, so, so let's see. I don't really know how to do this. I can't. I hope people had a chance to look at, at this paper I posted a little bit um, um, it's too long to you know certainly in the time we have left to go through in any detail at all um, um, I, I you know I guess the best thing to do is sort of touch on some highlights and hope people are gonna interrupt me with questions because they've had a look at this and they have objections or they have concerns um, um, or something like this. So look, the project here um, is to uh, is to derive um, the other, as it were, higher level obvious kinds of time asymmetry. Um, that is not the thermodynamic time asymmetry, but um, the time asymmetry of epistemic access. Um, the, what's, what's sometimes called the causal time asymmetry from the mentaculus as well. Okay, um, That's the project here. Uh, in principle, of course, well, let me say a couple of things. Um, um, let me see where to start. Um, here's, here's an observation to start with. Um, here are two logical structures of, here are two imaginable logical structures of inference 
from physical conditions at certain times to physical conditions at other times. Okay? Um, one is one we've dealt with here a lot already. It's the one we've been calling prediction, or in the case where it's going backwards, reprediction. <clears throat> That's the procedure whereby you start with some set of facts about the, about the condition of the world at one particular moment. Okay. Um, um, you put a uniform probability distribution over all of the exact microstates of the world at that time, which are consistent with those facts. Okay. Um, and you plug that distribution into the uh, into the equations of motion, into the deterministic and the Newtonian case equations of motion, and evolve them backwards and forwards, and thereby make inferences about probabilities of certain physical circumstances obtaining at other times. Yes? Um, that's the one we've been dealing with again and again in this class. That's the one that notoriously works well toward the future, but poorly toward uh, the past, uh, and so on. Second method, um, call this one inference by measurement um, for reasons which, which I hope will become obvious um, in a minute. Start with facts, never mind how they're given. We'll talk about that in a minute. Start with facts, not about conditions of the world at one time, but conditions of the world at two times. Okay? Um, so you have two times. T2 and T1. Whoops. You're given some facts, presumably incomplete sets of facts, um, about the world at both of these times. That is, you're given some facts about the way the world is at T2, and you're given some facts about the way the world is <coughs> at T1. Okay. Um, what you do is put a uniform distribution. Okay. Um, over, over, it doesn't matter, it's a symmetric situation. Say, put a uniform distribution over microstates of the world at T2, okay? Um, which have the property that they're compatible with all of these facts and that they, combined with the deterministic equations of motion, are compatible with all of these facts as well. Okay, so you conditionalize this distribution not relative to facts about one time, but relative to facts about two times. Okay, that will also have certain implications about what's going on at other times. Okay, so call the, the inference that starts with facts at one time prediction or retrodiction, call the kinds of inferences that start with facts about two times measurements. Of course, you, you, could, you could go to many other varieties. You could talk about three times or four times or so on and so forth. It's the distinction between one time and two times that's going to be particularly sharp and particularly interesting, and that's why I'm focusing on those two here. Good. Once again, this will allow you to make inferences to probabilities of certain circumstances obtaining at other times. The reason this is called measurement by inference is that this is the way measuring devices work. One might naively, before having thought about it at all, think of measuring devices as the sorts of systems 
that reliably go into certain states when they react with you know systems they're designed to measure, and those systems are in certain states. That's, of course, on reflection, not the way measuring devices actually work. It's only true that they end up in those states given that they started out before the interaction with the system of interest in another specific state, the state of being properly set up and calibrated and plugged in and facing in the right direction and so on and so forth. That is, the kind of inference we make from uh, when we employ measuring devices is really an inference from situations at two times typically the situations of the measuring device at two times, okay? One, at one of those times it's in what we call its ready state, um, at another of those times it's in an indicating state where the pointer is pointing in some particular direction or something like that. That's the logic of the inferences we use when we use measuring devices. That's why this, is th this, this structure of inference is called um, inference by measurement. Okay, the crucial thing to see is that there are all sorts of very prosaic circumstances in which inference by measurement can be fantastically more powerful and fantastically more informative than inference by prediction and retrodiction. The, the, the example I used in, in Time and Chance and the one that gets repeated here um, is this billiard ball case, okay? Um, so imagine that you have some collection of billiard balls um, bouncing around on a frictionless table uh, uh, or something like that. And, um, um, and you want to calculate, well, let's see. Um, suppose that billiard ball number five is at present at rest, okay? Um, and you want to calculate whether or not over the past 10 seconds billiard ball number five has been involved in a collision. Okay? Good. What, in, what further information do you need in order to make that determination? Well, suppose you're inferring by prediction. Okay? That is, suppose you're constrained to add only further information about the present condition of the world. Okay, then you're going to have to add a great deal of detailed information about the positions and velocities of the other billiard balls on the table in order to settle this question. And the more billiard balls there are on the table, the more such information you're going to have to add. Everybody with me? And you're going to have to engage in fairly complicated calculations and so on and so forth. But suppose you add a piece of information about 10 seconds ago. A single piece of information that is a single binary bit of information to the effect that billy ball number five was moving 10, ten seconds ago. Okay? Um, then it follows right away without any further input that billy ball number five was involved in a collision over the past 10 seconds. Everybody with me here? Okay. Um, so there's a really dramatic contrast here okay, between the kind of information about the present that you would need to add in order to determine this fact about this other time and the kind of information about the, a past situation that you would need to add in order to make this determination about another time. Okay? And indeed, like I said, the amount of information you would need to add about the present 
is a function of how many billiard balls there are on the table, and it's going to go up without limit as that number rises. Okay. Um, the kind of information you need to add about the past is completely insensitive to that question. Everybody with me here? Okay. So, um, um, good. So, right. Uh, uh, inference by measurement is, in this sense that I've just described, a fantastically more powerful inferential device than inference by prediction or retribution. But now a question arises. In order to get inference by measurement going, okay, so the usual epistemic situation that we're considering, as it were, is to find out, is we're interested in questions of the form, what can we know about other times from the vantage point of the present? Okay? That is, from the point where we take what's directly epistemically available to us, as it were, to be limited to facts about the present condition of the world. If that's the way you're thinking of playing the game, there's a question of how anything other than predictive or retrodictive inference ever gets going at all. Okay? Um, that is, in order to get inference by measurement going, we need some fact about some other time okay, to put into this. How do we get those facts? Okay? Well, you could say, look, uh, uh, I have some recording of billiard ball number five being in motion ten minutes ago. But that's just gonna that's just gonna knock the question one step back. How do I know about the reliability of that recording? I know about the reliability of that recording because I know the recording device was in its ready state at some still earlier time. Okay? Um, but how do I know that? We're clearly in an infinite regress here. Okay? Um, the only way out of this egress, that regress, excuse me, is, is, is if there were some claim about the situation of the world at some other time, okay, that we have some different kind of license to, okay, um, that we have some different kind of entitlement to, than that we measured or retrodicted or predicted it to be the case. Okay? What kind of thing could that be? Okay? And then the thought is supposed to pop into your head, um, well, gee, we've been talking about something just like that um, um, in the course of our attempts to get to the bottom of statistical mechanics. That is, in the course of our attempts to get to the bottom of the thermodynamic behavior of systems in the past hypothesis. Okay? We have some claim with a special status, with a special epistemic status of the kind we've discussed some here, um, um, about the past. Okay? Um, and the thought is, the very quick thought, which, which, you know, the only way the thought goes anywhere is then by thinking through a lot of very simplified examples and gradually raising one's confidence in something like this. Um, um, but the thought is, aha, it's the past hypothesis that gets all this going. Okay? And 
And it's the fact that there is a past hypothesis and no corresponding future hypothesis in the fundamental structure of the world as presented by our theories that explains why um, um, the kind of, the, that explains why we have access of the measurement type only towards the entropic past, okay, and not towards the entropic future. Everybody with me? I'm frankly flabbergasted that I haven't been interrupted a million well, times. I've been, I've been restraining myself. Good. Stop him. Good. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, and, and again, uh, apologies, because we've been arguing about this for decades. Okay, so you're, you're just... <laughs> um, two points. Um, you didn't literally say this, but the suggestion I is... might as well have. But the suggestion <laughs> is... Uh, these are the only two models on the table or something like that. You mean prediction and, and measurement? For finding out about times no, other I than think present. I literally said the contrary. No, no. I said you could do all kinds of other things. Okay, but, but somehow, if the issue... I said these were... I, I did say something like these are the two interesting ones. Okay, so, okay. all right, fine. That's good enough. Okay. Um, second point, the example of the billiard balls or the example of... Wait, you didn't finish the first one. I, I know. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> the first point is just that, that we all, that there, it's worthwhile thinking about other cases of our access, our epistemic access. Mm -hmm. okay? That I, I'm not, I don't see how they fit into this, or they, I don't see how they fit into this dialectic. That's what I want to get to. Good. I want to point out something specific about your example with the billiard balls, right. which is, okay, the billiard balls on the table, I could, like the gas, individual molecules in a gas or a chaotic system, we know from that that any kind of prediction or retrodiction is going to be a very dicey business because, because you know, if you're off with the initial conditions by any amount, right. then you'll ramify, right. blah, blah, blah. Okay. Right. So these are really, really hard cases to make particular predictions like, did that guy undergo a collision um, in, a, in a certain but that's not what's being appealed to here, Tim. The, the, the chaotic nature isn't, isn't what's being appealed to here. You have some big, funky billiard balls on the table. You just need to know about the rest but, of it. But even, even if the predictions aren't particularly chaotic. But, but even, even, I mean, the, the fact that you need to know, your emphasis is, yeah. to get the second model going, I need this other piece of information at right. a different time. Right. And then that sets up the regress. How do I get that information? Well, if I get it by measurement, then I need a yet earlier piece. Right. And that's what gets us into this regress that seems to only you know, suggest that the past hypothesis is a Could put it in that two right. hands. Right. So here's the case I just want to understand. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in, in, in the weather, the amount of rain during a season five years distant from now mm -hmm. in a certain location. Right. Um, I might imagine being interested in it five years to the future and five years to the past. Right. Uh, someone might say perfectly well, five years to the future, Forget good luck, buddy. Right. 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 Can't do it. Right. Five years to the past. Okay. I go out right. and I chop down a tree and I look at the rings and I see that I count back five rings and I find there's a very thick band there and I say, oh, a lot of rain. Yeah. A lot of rain there. Yeah. I don't see how this fits the model. 
Gosh, I don't see why not. Because all right, the young tree is the ready state. Of I do not need. So you ask me, oh, you must have a record of the tree being young. I have no such. Record. No, I don't scour no, for no, it. No. I don't look for a recording. No. I don't ask if the recording. No, no, no. I have no such thing. That's right. You have you have a conviction about how trees get started in their lives. Yes. That conviction, okay, um, 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 comes from all sorts of sources. It comes from recordings in your head of trees that you've seen. It comes sure. from theories of biology and evolution, sure. blah, blah, blah. All of these, okay, our confidence in all of these, the claim is, goes back to the past hypothesis. But I don't think you, you gave it, the, the, the setup of the example was supposed to be. Yeah. I only make this inference from the tree rings if I have a recording of the one no, of this tree. No, that's I, false. No, but that's but that's not that's not only not only then did what's I not, the not only did I not. How do I understand this is measurement? Don't you explicitly have the other rings once you make this the cut? What? Don't you have the earlier rings? Don't you have the They're in the present state. Yeah. It looks to me like no, I'm completely an inference from the present state. No, of course not. I'm not doing it by putting a. I'm not. Making it by putting a probability distribution and blah blah blah, but the only input is yeah. the present state. Uh, no, that seems wrong. Um, the input is the present state plus claims about what this tree looked like when it was young. These claims aren't claims that are direct results of measurements of that tree when it was younger. They're rather inferences to how that tree looked when it was young that come from a host of other information. This is a very holistic, you know, this is a very holistic kind of inference. But here's the claim. Let me, let me make, let me make literal what the claim is, okay? Yeah. The claim is, um, I make any inference from the present condition of the world, okay? Um, toward the past, mm -hmm. okay. Um, the claim is as follows, and this claim applies to the tree and, and so on and so forth. Um, um, you have a bunch of things you know about the present, not just the state of this tree, but all, all the existence of all the books about botany, your memories, whatever they were, about trees you've seen, about things you heard in biology class. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff here. Okay, um, and part of it is one of the one of the one of the rings is swell. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Um, the question, the, the principled question you always have to ask is, what was the most likely way, given the uniform probability distribution, to get from the past hypothesis to here? Why do I have to? Oh, hold on one second. Hold on one second. So the the, the structure of the inference is, is it or is it not the case? that the high probability trajectories or the typical trajectories going from the past hypothesis to here go through a period this many years ago of high rainfall or not. Okay. Now, this is a very complicated inference that has many subparts. It never occurs to us when we're thinking about this to actually think about the past hypothesis. What we think about is all kinds of evidence that we have here about how trees typically develop and so on and so forth. The claim is, if our reasons for believing those things from the present state were, were interrogated sufficiently relentlessly, Okay, there would be no natural place for those interrogations to come to a halt before you get here. That's the claim. But I don't. I just don't see any argument to it. So you said, how can I infer? <coughs> Method one. 
of inferring from the present state yes. to the past and future, the one you gave, projecting yes. retrogression. Yes. Here's another method. Yes. If the present state contains tree rings and the fifth one back is fat, infer that five years ago there was a lot of rain. Uh, that's the method. That's the method. But, but, that, Tim, but that, that, that's, that's not a method whose who's grounding in the fundamental physical laws we understand. Okay. I, don't under, I don't know what that means. It is a method. Sure. It is not neither of the ones you described. Uh, uh, that's absolutely right. It, I, it is a reliable method. That's also correct. Good. But this seems silly to me. Right? It, 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 it does not contradict the past hypothesis, but neither is it in any obvious way founded. Uh, well, I, now, we're, now this is going to hinge on, on the question, on the meaning of the word obvious. It's not, it, it's, it's, um, um, of course we're interested in methods of inference whose anchoring in foundational physical principles we want, we aspire to understand. Okay, if there are such methods, okay, um, um, you know, if, if if there are reliable regularities in nature of any kind, including methods of inference, our task here is to try to understand that reliability in terms of the fundamental laws of physics. That's what's going on here. Of course, the, you know, and it, it, it's just like saying, it's just like saying. Um, somebody says, I know him, he's going to love this movie. Okay? That's a different way of making a prediction. The laws of physics appeared nowhere in the sentence. Okay? But, I take it, this is an, a, 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 a relatively straightforward, intuitive grasp we have of how to make certain kinds of what I'm calling predictions. Okay? The fact that what, what I mean by, what, you know, what, what I mean by calling a certain method a prediction, okay, isn't that it's supposed to be a picture of the sequence of psychological states that somebody actually goes through in making inferences like that. With the billiard balls, probably that is the sequence of psychological states you go through. In all kinds of other cases, my God, that guy's going to fall off, you know, that, that guy's going to fall off that ledge or he's going to love that movie or something like that. You're depending on intuitive subconscious grasps you have of how the physics works in these circumstances. I, I, I don't, so maybe the puzzle here was you thought these were supposed to be two pictures of actual psychological states that inferrers go through in making such inferences. That wasn't what they were intended to be. What they were intended to be was ways of understanding on a foundational physical level the, kind, the kinds of reliable inferences that we can make. But I just, I, I'm, I'm still, I don't, look, it seems to me all the, all the juice was under relentless interrogation, yeah. eventually we'll be led back to block. That's a claim. Yeah. That's the claim. But I, I, I haven't yet seen, I, I agree, look, we think of the past, we see something in the present, right. like the tree rings. Right. We try and understand what that indicates, and with respect to the past, we ask ourselves, how did that get here? Right. Not how did it get here by by conditionalization on what was happening three you know thirteen point seven. Actually, that is the the sort of 
logically ultimate foundational sense of the question. How I understand that's what you think. Right. That's what I'm not seeing. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I think we. I right. think we sit here and say, I know, as you say, I know something about trees. I know about how they grow. I sort of picture the world as if the laws of phenomenological thermodynamics were part of the fundamental... I mean, suppose they were part of the fundamental laws. Right. Suppose, instead of trying to reduce them to a statistical... You mean the laws of a tree range? Just just thermodynamics. So the sorts of things that give rise to all of these, you know, to to a lot of these... uh, The way the world works around us. Right. 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 if, if, that were, if they were fundamental, then your idea we need to go back to the past hypothesis, I take it, would no longer... I mean, would you agree in that case? I don't need to somehow, under relentless interrogation, go backward. I just say, look, um, I try to figure yeah. out how these tree rings got here. Sure. Here are the laws of physics. Sure. Here's the way tree rings come about. Sure. And that's okay. Sure. I mean, I mean, the whole reason, you know, the whole, the, 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 the whole point of all this is there is a tension Okay, um, between the time directedness of the laws of thermodynamics and the time symmetry of what we take to be the fundamental laws, that 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 indicates precisely that it's not feasible to take the laws of thermodynamics as fundamental laws. That's the whole business we're trying to come to grips with here. Yeah, if the laws of thermodynamics were fundamental laws, whatever that means exactly, but let, let, let's say I can imagine what that means, we'd be having very different kinds of discussions here. If they were fundamental laws, then, um, then the situation would be that the fundamental laws of the world already have some time direction in them. Questions about, you know, th- things about the time directedness of all sorts of other features of our experience wouldn't appear nearly as mysterious as they do. Sure. Right, but, that, but then I don't see why... I mean, I'm just lost. Everybody agrees in order to, for these inferences to be reliable, yeah. it must in fact be the case that the pastures through the universe was one of increasing entropy and the laws of thermodynamics were holding and all that stuff. That okay. didn't get here by a fluctuation. Good. And so and so and so. Okay. That's off the table. Everybody's happy with that. Good. So, what, what are people not happy with? The, the, the question is whether the question is whether um, the sort of story you're telling about conditionalizing, which is this relentless story, as yeah. you say, that takes you all the way back yeah. to 13.7 billion years yeah. ago, right, is an important story for for the inferences for the act. I mean, the way you say this, the way you say it, if important means here psychologically important to the inferrer, the answer is, of course, no. If important is important to the foundational physical understanding of, of how all of the reliability of all these inferences fits together and so on and so forth, yeah, then there's a claim being made that the answer to that is yes. And the, and the way to counter such a claim Okay. The way to make such a claim implausible is to give an alternate foundational picture of how all these inferences fit together, of what their reliability follows on, of what their reliability is grounded on, of what the, of what the system that unifies to the extent that we can all of these things is, stuff like that. Yeah, I'm not, I, I mean, it's the, what it's founded on or what's grounded in Reliability grounded, and I just don't. And, and this is just, I don't quite understand what the target is here. So I say, 
There's this phenomenon of the reliability of these ways of making inferences. Right. So it's like my phenomenon of ice melting. Why, why is my inference from the tree ring to the weather reliable? Okay. So right. one story is, well, um, first of all, how did I come by the belief that this is good evidence good. for that? Good. And I might say that was based on my, you know, normal no, 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 no. experience. No, 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 we're not asking for a confirmation theory. That's, uh, that's, I'm trying to understand no, no, no. what we're asking. We're regarding the reliability of these as among the natural phenomena of the world. There's another question of confirmation, of evolution of beliefs. That's not what's going on here. That's not what the target is. We're regarding the reliability of these correlations, the robustness of these correlations, as a natural phenomenon. Yeah. And asking for the foundational, asking for a foundational understanding of this natural phenomenon. That's what's going on. Sure, but I don't see where the picture, as I say, in the case of the billiard ball, there is a particular piece of information right. about that billiard ball. This is different. Yeah, in this case, it's a particular and, piece and of information. And it gives you, in that instance, this is tremendously more incredible. Oh, the in case just isn't like that, and I just no. don't see the analogy very well. The analogy is that the, the, the analogy is um, you know you, you have to go to a much more global level here. The, here's the question, Tim. Look, a big part of a big part of the argument for uh, you know for this view is the, is, the, is what we've been characterizing throughout this course is the Jewish argument. Okay, um, what's the other candidate? for a foundational explanation of the reliability of these methods of inference and so on and so forth. That would be, that would, maybe a way of my understanding better what you have in mind, okay, is to get a better understanding of what you take the correct foundational account of the robustness of the reliability of these sorts of correlations to be. Okay, and I don't, and presumably a foundational account is not going to include words like trees or 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 circles or or stuff like that or rings or or stuff like that. Well, I'm not sure. If, if I want to know why it is, so here's a pretty good question. Yeah. Clear question. Yeah. Why is it that the present state of the tree rings? We all agree that's part of the present state of the macro state. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that in fact a reliable indicator? of the rainfall five years ago. Right, right. right. Now, um, it does seem to me that the, the, the first place to start is to worry a lot about tree biology. Sure. Right? Yeah. Now, you say tree can't come into it. Tree, I mean, no, tree no, doesn't no. come in at a foundational level, but it, it has, to, come be, in it has to be part of an analysis of trees of to understand. Uh, I, then I don't understand when you say don't talk about trees or go to the big picture. It's not the big picture. It's the tree picture. I understand the reliability of tree rings as an indicator of rainfall by understanding more about trees. Yes, Tim. But surely, facts about once again, we want to, we want, you don't say, why does ice turn into a puddle? I, I mean, I, I, I must be misunderstanding what's, what's getting in the way here, because I don't, um, it's not that we have different pictures of what constitutes a foundational physical account of something. Um, is it that you disagree that a foundational physical account is called for here? Or, uh, or is it really that we're disagreeing about what constitutes a foundational physical account or something? I don't believe that. I guess I think, it, it, so maybe, maybe 
Maybe here's the story. Maybe one can think of one picture of a foundational account mm-hmm. in, in physical terms of something is an account that only makes reference to a certain level of physical description, say, the kinds of particles there are, the general kinds of forces there are, the general sorts of physical laws there are. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or it makes it plausible that even if it's impractical, it could ultimately trace, be traced back to something right. like that. And, right. and maybe the right thing to say is this, that there's a certain sense um, in which our understanding of trees is not foundational in that sense. Because what makes a tree a tree, its behavior, and then particularly its reliability for this kind of inferences, it depends upon the detailed structure, right? the formal structure, the way the particles have been put together, but that, wait, but the way the now, particles are put that together... Two is foundational. Yeah. Okay, then everything's foundational. Then yeah. there's a little bit of fire clean. Because yeah. once you've got all the, all the primary things and yeah. you also detail all of their structure, yeah. there's nothing left. Okay, then everything's foundational. Then saying it's foundational isn't telling me anything. Um, so I'm not sure what you mean by foundational. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just... Is it necessary for your view that everything be strictly reduced to physical laws? I don't know what strictly reduced means. Yeah, I want a a sense that you're saying um, you don't need to reduce the the biology example to to physical laws. There are examples like this where there's often the argument that the special sciences deploy vocabulary that is generic and is a little bit insensitive to the details of the physics that underlies it, that you could... Right, you know, insensitive to some changes, not to others. Right, right. But, you know, right. Again, you, could, you could completely change the physics at the micro level, and the theory of evolution might still be the correct way. Or you could slightly change it, and it would be, and it would be shot to hell. Right, right, right. right. But, right. But, but that there's a kind of independence... Now, this is something yeah. that... There are lots of... We've had a lot of... Yeah. Right. Discussion about what is that what this is about? I don't know if one to one mapping in our world. If there's a one to one mapping between your description at the biological level and some other physics, well, certainly not a one to one. Well, there's a you know many to one mapping, if anything. Um, but I don't know if there, I don't know if there's a mapping at all. You know, hypothesis. I think there's got to be some kind of reductive mapping that gets you to the past hypothesis. Yeah, there, there, there are all kinds of... Um, um, if that's what this is about, is that what this is about? This is about issues of reduction or the, or the completeness of physics? I, 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 I don't have... Or something I'm, just, I, I'm honestly trying to fit the tree ring picture. It just is a different example. Good. So I gave you a way. And, so, and, so and I, I'm not, I don't know where it's going. So let's try to understand it. So let's go from there. Okay. Um, um, and I want to understand if your objection to this story is, one, you don't know what makes it plausible, or two, it's just in the wrong language, it's not the kind of story you want, or what. So consider the following story. Okay. Here's the way I make inferences from the from the tree rings uh, to uh, uh, to the weather conditions uh, ten years ago. Okay, um, here are two equivalent ways to do it. Okay, conditionalize the mentaculus on everything you know about the present state of the world, including, of course, the tree rings. Okay, 
um, that gives you that gives you a high probability that there was uh, that there was a lot of rain ten years ago. Okay, or equivalently, take the uniform probability distribution over microspace compatible with the initial with, with the with the past hypothesis. Okay, um, um, I mean I, I'm actually just repeating the same process in slightly different words. Um, conditionalize that probability distribution on the on the constraint that it passes through, you know, that it has all the features of the present macro state of the world <laughs> that you know about. Okay, um, and and note that 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 gives a high, you know, that the overwhelming you know, probability associated with trajectories that are left over after that conditionalization pass through an incident of, uh, uh, of, high, uh, of high rainfall 10 years ago. Now, there are several questions here. Is it that you think this statement is false? Or is it that you think it's in the wrong language somehow? So, you know, it's not that you think it's false. No. Okay. But then, um, good. So tell me what the worry is. So, the, the so but by saying you don't think it's false, you mean you think it's true? You think it's true? Yeah. Okay, good. Good, good. So then the claim, all right, so let me continue one more sentence. So then the claim would be, ah, that's what I, that's the analogy between this case and the billiard ball case. Let me make it a little more explicit, okay? Take the present state of the world. Okay. Do what I would call prediction retrodiction on. Okay. Take the present state of the world. Take the uniform probability of microstates compatible with that with that macrostate, um, uh, with what you know about the present macrostate, including the rings. Evolve backwards and forwards. Do you get claims about a lot of rainfall ten years ago? No. No. Okay. Take that and conditionalize it on one further fact, which is just like conditionalizing it on the position of billiard ball number, on the motion of billiard ball number five ten seconds ago. Conditionalize it on the past hypothesis. Then do you get high rain probabilities high of a lot of rainfall ten years ago? Yes. That's the analogy. The, the question is, is that what the question is, is that, a, I'm not disagreeing with the particular, the, the but then, then I'm not disagreeing contradicts, right, cosmology. No, nobody's claiming that. No, 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 I said a lot more than that. You wanted to know what the analogy was, okay. You wanted to know in fairly, you know, clear formal terms what the analogy was between the billiard ball case and this case. Here's the analogy. Take the, the motion of billiard ball number five at T2. Yes. Okay. Good. Add nothing further. What information do you get about collisions over the past 10 minutes? Nothing. Okay. Okay, that's where this analogy breaks down. I, I don't mean to add nothing further. But, but you just agree. No, no, no. I mean, take the, take the condition of billiard ball number five at T2. Okay. Take the uniform probability distribution. That's different. That's not taking that. That's doing a particular thing we know is dreadful. But, but, okay, that's, but that's exactly, no, that's dread, but that's exactly the analogy, I don't care. Okay, but that's it. Why are we worried about doing that? We never do it and it never works. <laughs> that, exactly. So pointing out that that doesn't, and, 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 doesn't follow that the only other thing you can think of must be what we're doing. 
no, it doesn't follow that the only reason. Nor does it follow that the goal is to give me another foundational model of what it is I'm doing. Okay, yeah, a minute ago it sounded so like you were doing analogy, David. Let me give you this analogy. Maybe yeah. I can make it very clear. Yeah. I walk into a room. Yeah. There's a billiard table. Yeah. There's a ball five sitting there. It's at rest. Yeah. That's the present macro state. Right. Well, no, there are other balls there. Oh, yeah. No, it, 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 part yeah. of the present macro state. Yeah, yeah. Someone asked me the follow-up question. What was billiard ball five doing five minutes ago? Right. I go, I haven't got a clue. Right. Right? Right. We, we agree that's the situation. Right. And that to get any clue, we need something else. Sure. I walk in. I cut down a tree, I look at that, yeah. and someone asked me, what was going on five years ago with this tree? And I say, I know. No, no, but this is the disanalogy. No, but it's not. The, the, the answer is, I say, I know. Yeah. I don't have to go out of the room. You don't give me any more information. I have the information right here. Right? I'm not going beyond that. Tim, I, can tell I, I just don't get this. If I walked into the room, okay, um, someone's, with, you know, with it the case that someone just told me, by the way, billiard ball number five was moving five minutes ago. Then I walk into the room and I act just like with the tree rings. I take a look at the table. I said, look at that. Billiard ball number five was involved in a collision. For Christ's sake, what's the difference? That's, you know, it's this kind of, it's this kind of background knowledge. If we had background knowledge about ten minutes ago here, okay, then we just look at the table and we see that billiard ball number five was involved in a collision. If we have background knowledge like this, which we do in our genes, okay, we look at the tree rings, we say it rained a lot ten years okay. ago. So when you say we know the past hypothesis in our genes, I now, have literally no idea what you're saying. Wait, now Tim, the thing literally you think of right now. Okay. But you just said that. I, I know I just I'm sorry, I don't want to drop this. <laughs> but it strikes me there is a big difference between the billiard ball example that you gave and the tree ring, which is the tree ring example by construction has in the present state a history of certainly doesn't of, have a history well, of no, the tree rings are like it's as if your billiard ball example left tracks. The billiard ball had been painted but that's just, on the table. That's just a slightly more no, no, no. So, no. so there is so in the present state there's information about the past already in it. When you say there, there, there is in the present state here there, there's claim. There's no information about the past in this state without the addition of background knowledge about I, I agree, but the background claim. There's no information about the past in this state without the addition of background knowledge about what billiard ball number five was doing ten minutes ago. They're both exactly analogous. It's just that, you know, it's just that the, the reasoning that gets you, that, that, that yields this in this case is trivial and only has one step in it, okay? This reasoning is something that nobody could actually perform, okay? That we actually do, that we're used to in smaller pieces. It has nothing to do with being aware of a past hypothesis, but it has to do with background knowledge about how trees typically develop and so on and so forth. Also, this is an extremely simple example, so that the recording of the history that we get up here is only one event in the history. You complexify this a little more, you'll get recordings in exactly the same way of more than one event in the history. You'll get a richer and fuller picture of the history. What, what's the analogy? This analogy between the two. No, but what's the analogy in the billiard ball case and the fact that Tim knows in the tree case to count back five rings? 
There's some background information on biology that he knows. But the, 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 the and here there's background information about the early with the analogy would be if, if, if the ball, if you're asking about the past trajectory of that particular billiard ball, is if there was like a trace on the table that it left. No, no, but I don't understand. You want to know more than one thing about it, that's fine. We build a slightly more complicated case. I'm building the simplest possible case here, where the information I get is a single, you know, right. I'm suggesting Tim's example is more complicated because he's built into it's it. It's more complicated. The question is whether there's any formal disanalysis. So here's a formal disanalysis. Yeah. You have, you just use the words, and I'm sorry I keep quoting that. There's no information to this. Okay? Let's stop and think what that means. What it could mean. Here's something it could mean by yeah. there being information in the macro state. Yeah. I claim there is macro, there is information in the macro state of the tree rings, and there's no information in the macro state of the billiard ball. Okay? Uh-huh. In the following simple sense. Good. There is a correlation through the history, you know, between tree ring states of that time <coughs> and, 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 and rainfall five years previous to it. There is a correlation. To that extent, the informa- there is information in here about the rainfall. There is no correlation in the history of the universe between a billiard ball being at rest in the table and it doing one thing or another five minutes before. Gee, okay, that just seems not right. Once again, this is this is another <laughs> example. This, 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 How can that not seem just right? true? Uh, no, it's not true. <laughs> Look, this is just a matter of complexity again. Okay, you go. You, you, there isn't. You know, I, I have no clue. Whether there is a cause, you know, whether there's a correlation in all places and at all times, okay, between the way pieces of wood of a certain shape look, okay, and and uh, and uh, whether there was water around ten years ago, okay, for terrestrial trees that get there in the usual way, there is such co- such a correlation, and for billiard balls that got here in this way, there is such a correlation. You conditionalize, when you conditionalize on the present state of the world, you're conditionalizing on all kinds of stuff other than this being a particular piece of wood of this kind. I, no, okay? that, that, I don't think that's... I, look, I, first of all, I think that's just probably flatly false. But in any case, restricted to the earth. It's still a fact. Restrict this to billiard balls that were, that were moving 10 to 10 seconds ago. What the hell is the difference? But what do you mean? That's not part of the macro state. Present macro state. That's a, the question is, what information is there in the present macro state? I don't even know what that means without the past hypothesis. I'm trying to understand what I, you without mean. Without I'm giving you a, in, a normal information, yeah. theoretic account of what information is. Yeah. Information theory doesn't mention the past hypothesis. Information theory just mentions correlations. I... Tim, there are correlations of, of one kind, and there are not correlations of the other. Yes, because the past hypothesis applies to the universe as a whole. Okay, so correlations that are imposed by the past hypothesis, as to as opposed to say correlations that are imposed by the particular position of a particular billiard ball ten minutes ago. Are, 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 are universal in a way that the claims about billiard balls aren't. But the sense in which it depends on, you know, this fact about the past is exactly the same. 
Yes, it's true. In the case of, you know, the, the, the past hypothesis applies to the universe as a whole, okay? So in some sense it applies to everything, okay? So, so it, you know, so when you conditionalize on the past hypothesis, you're just conditionalizing on this thing being in our world. Whereas when you conditionalize on the position of the billiard ball 10 seconds ago, you're conditionalizing on something much more particular than that. I don't see this analogy past that. We, you know, we just seem to be passing each other. You, you said there's no information in this state. I just tried to give you a definition of information. I tried to give you one where there is information in the state. In the present macro state. Um, um, Professor Marlin, yeah. but the information that if you see a fat ring on the tree, there must have been lots of water uh, five years ago, right? I mean, how would you come about that information of the... You're calling that a, a part of a present macro description, right? The present fat state is a pre We all agree that the, the fatness of that particular ring is, is part, part of the present macro, macro state of the Yes. But how would you come to that information if there was no I don't, past I, hypothesis? Some, something like a past hypothesis that tells you that in the... <coughs> you, the, the question, how do you come to information, is a different question. Yeah, right now, playing, I'm just arguing the that there is information. We're playing, a, I, I take it we're playing the following game here, okay? Um, 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 we're agreeing not to raise the question of how we get information about the present macro state of the world. That's just being taken as directly given. Of course, there are other conversations in which you do want to raise that question. You know, conversations about skepticism, conversations about how we know about the external world, and indeed I think the story there is going to be similar. But, but that's not the conversation we're having. We're playing, the ground rules of the game that I take it we're playing here is the information about the present macro state of the world or what we know of the present macro state of the world is taken to be directly given to us. We don't need to worry about how we have that and we're asking about what we can infer about other times from that, okay? Or from that plus some auxiliary conditions like the past position of the billiard ball or the truth of the past hypothesis uh, or something like that. Yeah? But you said if you just look at number five, we, we couldn't know whether it was moving back. But if you look at all the other billiard balls and see their momentum, uh, and then we can be yeah. backwards. Yes. Isn't this the same that we want to know did it rain here five years ago? Yes. We can't know this just looking at the place. Now we go and look at other things. Oh, no, it's not like the, the no, 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 no. Cut down the tree. No, 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 no. It's, no, it's absolutely not. I mean, this is something I don't think Tim and I disagree about. Um, um, it's not like that at all, okay? If you use, if you, if you just take the present state of the world, okay, and plug it into the laws of physics, you get nothing, okay? Or if you take the present state of the world and take a uniform probability distribution over the microstates compatible with that macrostate and plug those into the laws of physics, you get stuff that's wildly wrong. You don't get that it was raining 10 years ago. In order to get that it was raining 10 years ago, you need to add to the procedure I just described a conditionalization on the past hypothesis. Okay? Just as in order to get from the present state of this billiard ball to its being in a collision 10 minutes ago, you need to add, um, um, you need to add its state to, uh, over the past 10 minutes, you need to add something about its state 10 minutes ago. Yeah? 
Uh, I want to try to make the analogy really clear. Mm -hmm. I, I think I do see an analogy. So suppose you had a camera looking at the billiard table. This is mm -hmm. sort of getting to the traces, but it's a little bit of a different one. Mm -hmm. a, a video camera was recording, well, you suspect that the video camera was recording the event. You look at the present state of the table and you see ball five at rest. Right. Um, it would suffice for your example just to know that ball five were in a different position. That's right, that for example. As well work. Yep. So you cut it. Except the there, I guess you'd need a minimum of two collisions. But, but uh, yes, right, right, um, right. But you would know that there was at least one. Yes, you would know that there was at least yes. one. Yeah, frictionless tape. Right. Yes. yes. Right. So you cut. So the camera's there. You walk into the room. Mm -hmm. and state that five balls just sitting there. Mm -hmm. You cut the camera open. You pull back the negative, the right number of negatives, mm -hmm. to get back 10 seconds in the past. Mm -hmm. And you find that, sure enough, it looks as though ball five, <laughs> excuse me, ball five was in a different location. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is just the sort of thing that's going on, cutting the tree open and finding the ring. It's information embedded in the present that tells you something about the past. Yeah, that's the traces I was exactly, broken for. Exactly. Yeah. So I, and I think that the analogy in that, and in that case, that would get you to your your one single bit of information that you need, namely. No, but wait. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure which way you think what you just said cuts well, in this dispute. I I believe that the analogy. So remember when you suggested um, that so you walk into the room and someone tells you. Right. So and you were saying that's kind of like the tree ring telling you based on. You know, you assume this speaker is reliable. No, 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 no. It was a little different. When I said you walk into the room with somebody having told you, that is, the telling you is what's coming from the camera. Yes. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Maybe, I'm, maybe I, I lost. Well, well, wait, so, say again. You, you weren't talking about a camera. That was, right. So yours was right. a person is, was in there watching. Right. Told you. Right, right. And you wanted, mm -hmm. and that was sort of to make the analogy more clear. Right. But it, apparently it was. Wait, um, wait. Yeah, go ahead. Can I, can I, okay, so just 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 to make sure that I understand what you said. Yeah. So you're saying you cut cut open a tree. Yeah. You see a fat ring. Yeah. And that trees have fat ring when there was like lots of rain in the past. All of that is part of the the present macro. Uh, no, the last thing you said isn't part of the present macro. Oh, well, that, that, that's that, that law. Be, right. right. That that. Just that there is a fat ring on the tree. Just that there's a fat ring. And well, and that the rest of the world looks like it So works. you're saying if you were to, so if you plug that into uh, uh, something like a, a prediction, retrodiction method. You don't get it. You don't get it because, right. because, it, because of the, 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 the symmetry. Well, or to the extent the, that there is symmetry. What we agree on is you don't get it. Right, right. What we agree on is. Is that is that you don't get it if you do that, but if you conditionalize on this, you do get it. Sounds like we agree on all of that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, um, if we agree on all of that, so wait, I, I just, I just I'm not sure I know what we're disagreeing about. Okay. We're not disagreeing. I'm just trying to see. No, 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 no. Not, not you and me, but Tim. Yeah, but so, yeah, go ahead. So, so considering the symmetry in the fundamental laws, yeah, physical laws, yeah, if you Try to retrodict. Yeah, it would act. It would. It would actually give like a very false. Sure. Result. Yeah, of course. And you, and you're saying that you can't get the right picture unless you conditionalize it on a past hypothesis. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, but, but so that's the question. Wait, wait, wait. That 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 may be the key. That's the bifurcation. <laughs> what we agree on is 
if you do conditionalize on the past hypothesis, you get the right result. Right. Um, and we agree that if you use red prediction, you get the wrong and result. And we agree That's that why I started out my comment right. saying you only give us two choices. Right, 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 right. And I don't see how this third thing falls. It's certainly not red prediction. Right. But it doesn't seem to me that it is analogous in an obvious way to me to the billiard ball. But so let's, okay, but so, wait, so maybe let's zero in here. Um, um, on exactly what the question is. So we all agree that if you take retrodiction and then conditionalize on the past hypothesis, you get all the right answers. Um, I don't know what the taking retrodiction in the first place was. That is, you take the, take the present <coughs> macrostate of the world, you put a uniform probability distribution over the microstates compatible with Oh, just because it's formally equivalent to yeah. the yeah, yeah, yeah. on the past hypothesis. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 okay. Then, so you take retrodiction, you conditionalize on the past hypothesis, you get all the right answers. Okay? Yeah. Good. Um, um, so then somebody says, so, so let me understand where, what happens here. So somebody says, great, we have all the right answers, let's go home. And you say, you want to say no. What, what the, 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 the dialectic, as I understand it, yeah. was set up to say, look, if we start with retrodiction without anything else, right. uh, we're going to get the wrong results. And in that sense, the information, in that sense, the information about what happened in the past is not contained in the present macro state. But I, I, if we I, use it that way, I, but by saying the information isn't contained, all I mean is do this, do the, do the following thing with the present macro state. Yeah. Retrodict with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, it would be completely unreliable. Right. That would be a completely unreliable way to form beliefs about what happened right. in the past. Right. Right. Reliable way. So completely reliable way. And we also know about a completely reliable way to form beliefs. And, and, and the, the, if we could do the calculation. And, right. Yeah. And if we could do that, that would be good. We're not disagreeing that that would be reliable. Oh, certainly. There's certainly no disagreement okay. about that. Then I don't understand what the disagreement the, the, the was The question about. was, look, yeah. maybe there's some, the, the way we got to the past hypothesis was you set up this model of measurement. You said, oh, I need this extra bit of information, and I need an extra bit of information. I chained my way back, and we had this past hypothesis. That's the whole story that's sort of focusing on the past hypothesis. Right? Okay. Now, take a case, and, and in that case, it really is true and intuitively that the present macro state of the billiard ball provides no information about whether it was moving five minutes ago. Okay. So now we make in the tree ring case, yeah. the intuition is that the present state of the tree ring does provide information about what was happening five years ago. In the straightforward sense of there being correlations between the existence of the tree rings and the rainfall five years ago, that's true. There's no doubt how we know or however. That's just a fact. That's a fact. And if there's no there's no corresponding fact about billiard ball. That's absolutely right. Okay, so there's that disanalogy. But Tim, this seems to be I, I, maybe I, I'm speaking poorly here, or maybe you're you know, making a radically unsympathetic attempt to understand what I was saying. But look, uh, uh, the, the, um, um, you know, there's one thing of sort of, of sort of guiding the listener's imagination toward the final structure you want to introduce. And there's a separate question about 
the properties of the structure once it's in place. Okay. It sounds like you have objections to the sort of the sort of rhetorical posture that was used to guide the listener toward the final structure. But it doesn't sound like you're objecting to the structure once it's in place. I yeah, I, I, don't think, I don't see those things. That is, part of the rhetoric was <coughs> the information just isn't in the macro state. Ergo, I don't know. Ergo, it must. Okay. I need something. Is so it, let me. So let me. Is say, it have to be true? No, 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 no. The information isn't in the macro state. I'm just. It's a, just a different. Let me withdraw any claim to understand what words like information is contained in this state or that state even mean. Okay. Okay. Um, 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 that's not what this is about. That's not what my concern is here, okay? The claim is, okay, that are, you know, that the totality of our, of our warranted procedures for inference, um, from certain pieces of information to other pieces of information, can be represented by conditionalizations on them in faculus. Period. End of story. Okay? And one wants to further say, okay, if something like this is true, okay, one wants to say, huh, so there are, there, there are more particular things I want to understand. For example, the kinds of epistemic access we have to the past are very different from the kinds of epistemic access we have to the future. Can you explain to me, somebody might legitimately say, mm -hmm. how, to, how to see that in a perspicuous way um, um, from the structure of the mentaculus? Mm -hmm. okay? And I'll be able to say, sure, I think I can explain that to you. The mentaculus, the mentaculus includes a, you know, this very special conditionalization on the past, no analogous conditionalization on the future. Um, we can see from simple examples how additional information about one temporal direction may dramatically sharpen up things that we can know about the temporal interval in between those two. That's all that this is meant to, that, that's what, this is supposed to be an aid in understanding how this structure yields very different information Good. about the past than it does about the future. Stuff like that. Okay, so I, that's what I'm telling you here. Look, everything you just said, as far as I can tell, is compatible with a universe in which from here to here, everything was just a gas. Everything was just a gas? Yep. No stable structures. Oh. But, but, <clears throat> I, I... It's like your balls. Your failure balls are like a gas. That's why you have so much trouble knowing about them. I, I'm, I'm not sure about the other point I at the beginning, a long time ago, my second point, was it the billiard ball is a gas. I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying. Given the laws of physics, the existence of trees and rooms now doesn't seem compatible with the No, no, I don't mean with the present actual Oh, oh, that's what you mean. Okay. But I mean, you could have a universe like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could. Right. Yeah. And in such a universe... But I don't know who would know things or... Nobody would know anything. Right. Even though the entropy had been going up the whole right. time. Right. In, in such a universe, in, in my sense, yeah. there really would be very little information contained in the present macro state of the universe, yeah. about the particular goings-on, okay? And, and, in, and in my sense, not? Hmm? No, well, I think you would yeah. agree, but you, yeah. you said you didn't want to talk about oh, information. Okay. You, you didn't okay. put it on the table. Okay. I put one on okay. the table. Okay, good, good, good. Good. The fact that we can have 
sorts of particular knowledge of what happened in the past, like the rainfall five years ago. Mm -hmm. It is important that there be stable things, that there be solids, that there be homeostatic sure. systems, there be all kinds of stuff. Yep. <coughs> nothing, in what, nothing in what you're pointing at as the key to all this implies that. It's of course a necessary condition for it, but it doesn't. No, no, no. It doesn't seem to give you nothing in the in the in the particular intellectual structure you're right. pointing at. Right. Yeah. So if if one says, look, there's a whole lot about how we get this access to the past. Yeah. That I don't see being directly illuminated in the facts you're pointing to. Oh, here's the claim. That's okay. Here's is, that, claim. is that getting right? I think I mean, so. But here's the claim. Um, what what it's claimed as being illuminated is not the possibility of access in the first place to anything, okay, um, or or there being any knowers or anything like that. What what it's claimed as being illuminated is the asymmetry of the kind of epistemic access we have, we being what we are, okay, between the past and the future. That's what's being illuminated here. Okay? Not the fact that there can be knowers in the first place, or the fact that there can be epistemic access to anything at all, or, or anything like that. That's a very different issue. That depends much more sensitively on the details of what the laws of physics happen to be, and on the details of what the actual trajectory of the world happens to have been, because no doubt there are trajectories consistent with these laws in which there aren't any observers, and so on and so forth. What's, what, what it's claimed as being illuminated here is the, the temporal asymmetry of that axis. That's what's being illuminated. Okay, but then, I mean, maybe... <laughs> Okay, so that claim strikes me as being one of saying, look, amounting to, to, to not, I'm sure, a lot more than saying, look, we, have, we all agree on this asymmetry temporal access. We agree that the, uh, the dynamical laws are in the relevant sense time reversal symmetric. Mm -hmm. uh, we have this huge asymmetry with respect to entropy and so on. Right. 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 But that's playing a fundamental role in that that's playing an absolutely fundamental role in understanding the asymmetry of epistemic axis, right? So is that it? Uh, no, it's a little more than that. So you have to what I'm trying to see. Because I think the way it's presented is that this is actually giving me a sort of picture of how I get information, yeah. why this has information, well, okay. and that's so, what I'm not seeing. Good, so, so, there's but, more, so there's more to it than that, okay? Yeah. We want a little more detail. You start playing around with a toy example like this, okay? And you say, look, um, God, but you know, my epistemic access to the past is so much more detailed, so much more vivid, mm -hmm. so much more, um, um, so much less subject to doubt and uncertainty, at least in certain circumstances, so on. Could you give me a feeling for how those things start to happen? Just because there's a, just because there's a condition in one direction and not in the other? And I say, well, here's a condition in which there's a, here's a situation in which there's a condition in one direction and not another. And you see how the amount of information you have just skyrockets from a tiny little bit of information about this direction. So that's supposed to be, with a very simple toy example, 
vastly simpler than the cosmos, okay? But that's supposed to help the listener understand how imposing a condition like this could imaginably make a huge difference, okay? As big and as vivid a difference as our actual experience depicts to us about the, the difference between the kind of epistemic access we have to the past and the kind of epistemic access we have to the future. That's what there is to say further, okay? Now, whatever there is going to be to say further along these lines is going to consist of extremely simple toy examples that are very, very remote from the actual case. Maybe you think they're sufficiently remote that there are no help in understanding this at all. That's not my intuition. No, that's too extreme. I, I, I guess my worry was, and this was what I tried to express at the beginning, it's just the wrong kind of example. Same thing. <laughs> um, can you guys just I, yeah. summarize whatever it is you came to under? I'm massively confused. So what is it? Did you guys figure <laughs> out what is it that you were objecting to? So, so I think here's where we are. This is sadly the first tenth of what I had intended to go through, um, um, and the rest of it probably wouldn't even be more contentious. But I take it, I take it here's what we've arrived at. Um, um, everybody seems to agree that, um, that, uh, I don't know what, that, that legitimate inferences we make Okay, from certain pieces of information about the history of the world to other pieces of information about the history of the world. Modulo, you know, debates about probability versus typicality, leave those aside, okay. Um, everybody seems to agree that the structure of the inferences that we, that we legitimately make from certain pieces of information about the history of the world to other pieces of information about the history of the world can all, in principle, be modeled in terms of conditionalizations on the mentaculus. It sounds like we agree about that. We, we agree it will give you the right answer. Good. That's what but I mean by saying thing is being modeled. No, no, I, that may be one of the questions that's floating. Well, out. maybe, but so, you're, you're, maybe, Maybe there are subtleties here which I'm not aware of. Yeah, I'm not aware of, it, of thinking that there's a difference between those two ways of putting it. Um, good. Sounds like we all agree that that, that that procedure, the procedure of conditionalizing on the mentaculus will in principle give you the right answer. Yes. Okay. Good. Um, um, good. Now, there are going to be further, there are going to be further questions of the following form, I take it. Somebody says, fine, I grant that in principle, okay? But what sorts of things is the mentaculus really going to be illuminating for us finite human beings, okay? What sorts of questions is this really going to help with, okay? So here are two extremes. Questions about the truth of the laws of thermodynamics. It's probably going to help with that a lot. Okay, um, um, we think we can see fairly straightforwardly how to get from very general claims that we have about the mentaculus to the truth of laws of the thermodynamics. Um, laws of economics, okay, probably not. Okay, in principle, okay, it seems like we've agreed that they better follow from the appropriate sorts of conditionalizations on the mentaculus. 
But, no, you know, nobody, anybody would be making a huge mistake to think that that's the right way to start doing economics, okay? Now there's a third case, okay? Um, a case, cases like the asymmetry in our epistemic access between the past and the temporal asymmetry in our epistemic access to the past and the future, or what I was going to go on to discuss, our impression that by acting now we can affect the future but not the past and stuff like that. Okay? These cases are in a funny, are at least prima facie in a funny middle region. Okay? Um, the language of them doesn't feel as close to the language, doesn't feel particularly closer to the language of fundamental physics than the language of economics does. Okay? On the other hand, you have the following clue. Okay? Um, or, or let's say to the, to, to the laws of successful dinner parties, which I mentioned in there, or something like that. On the other hand, you have the following clue, okay? You wouldn't be surprised to meet, you know, inhabitants of another galaxy who have, who, who, who you know, for whom the laws of throwing a successful dinner party are very different than ours. Okay. I believe, now this, is, this may turn out to be right or wrong, but here's an intuition. We'd be surprised as hell to meet inhabitants of another galaxy for whom the epistemic relation to the past and the future is the inverse of ours, okay? Or, or who think they can affect what we call the past but not what we call the future by acting now or something like that. So, there is a sort of strong whiff of a kind of universality about these asymmetries, okay, that encourages you to suspect that there might be a fairly perspicuous account of where those come from, okay? Um, and, you know, an account that we can really get some illumination about by looking at them in temples, as we can get illumination about the laws of thermodynamics, okay? And these kinds of examples are intended to begin to flesh out what, an, what such an account would look like. Where hmm? does the tree ring fit in? Because there's a lot of heat between these two over uh, uh, It sounds like, we, you know, we agree that, that, that the inference from the tree ring to the, to the inference from the present macro state, including the tree ring, to a lot of rain ten years ago, will follow from conditionalizing the calculus on this situation up here. Okay. Um, um, it sounds like there was some disagreement about whether that means the information is in here or not. I'm sorry if that's what we were talking about this whole time because I'm just not even sure I know what that language means and I'm sure as hell not sure that I have any commitments about what the, about what the right thing to say about it was. So I think a lot of what we were discussing maybe is attributable to sloppy talking um, on my part. Um, um, it does sound like we agree that all of our legitimate inferences can be uh, reproduced in, in, instead of modeled by conditionalization, by, by the appropriate sorts of conditionalizations on the calculus. And once again, the one further question was, on a sort of practical, methodological, scientific level, okay, not on a principled level, because on a principled level we already agree, but on a practical scientific level, is this the place to look for illumination about the time asymmetry 
um, in our epistemic access and the time asymmetry in our causal influence and so on and so forth. Let's, we, let's just stick with epistemic access now because causal influence will be contentious for a whole bunch of different reasons. But um, is this the place to look for illuminating information for actual human beings, okay, about the time asymmetry or the epistemic access. And I was urging the answer, yes, it is. It's not like the case of economics. You can really begin to see intuitively from this structure how that, how that asymmetry of epistemic access is going to work. And an aid to seeing it that intuitively is to play around with very simple examples like this. That was the point. Um, is that a claim you disagree with that? No, I don't think, I mean, I, you know, I, I think actually, and I, I'll just say this, at a point where you kind of agree, and maybe you're just going to say this was just rhetoric or this was pointing you in a certain direction, and maybe right. we, this is just what we need to get clear about. Okay, so okay. let me just, I'm going to, maybe it's what I said. So I gave you, you said you, I gave you a sense of information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In which... I didn't have any commitment. Uh, I, I was sloppy. So let me just say why I think that's maybe been important, even for why I've been confused. Okay. So this is just, just to say. Okay. In the billiard ball case, literally the macro state doesn't contain the information in my sense. Right. So then if you ask, how could I ever know? Right. That you really do need extra an extra input, right? Sure. In, the, in the tree ring case, there, in, in my sense, the information really is in the present macro state. Now you can ask a perfectly good question, which is, why are there much different correlations right. between the macro state good. here and the macro state here, as opposed to the, the, the macro state here right. and the macro state there? Okay. We agree that there are good. such, that, good. that that's an asymmetry, good. and we need an explanation of that. Good. But that has nothing to do with that. That like how we make it in terms of why they're right. you know, right. exactly. It sounds like we're even maybe beginning to agree that examples like this can be helpful in illuminating how this asymmetry works. Yeah. And that was the point of this example. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 